Hi, and welcome to the Behind the Wheel podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. So, a little bit about me and what Behind the Wheel is all about. My name is Muhammad Ali Haji, and a few years ago, I thought I really had it all. A great job, great money, an amazing wife, and on the way to rise to the top within my field of work. However, I was fat, really fat, like huge. And soon, due to a variety of reasons, I found myself in a different role that I absolutely hated. Very quickly, I was in a very dark place, hating what I was doing each day and using food and sleep as my mechanism for escaping. It got so bad that I used to sleep until 5pm, just after my wife would come back home and I'd rush out of bed, do the dishes and pretend like I'd been up for the entire day. It's crazy how life can take a turn for the worst so quickly. I also had huge limiting beliefs, such as I had no way of finding a better job, despite my wife's continuous rambling about how I deserve better and how I could very well find something that I absolutely loved. I didn't listen, but the more I didn't listen, the more my belly began to grow. I pretty much woke up one day and realised it was time to change. And in that moment, I realised that perhaps the most easiest thing to change was my health. I joined a really good gym and the weight slowly began to drop. It was during this period that I began to also change my outlook on life. I stopped blaming the people around me. I stopped blaming my boss. I stopped blaming my wife. And I started to take real accountability for my situation and the circumstances that I found myself in. Things got better over time. And soon, I found myself in a much better shape and I finally found a better job. However, not too long ago, I found myself crying. A grown man crying himself to sleep. Rather pathetic, right? See, I always knew that I wanted to achieve so much more in life. I looked up to the greats of this world, like Elon Musk and Steve Jobs to Muhammad Ali and Bill Gates. People who had achieved so much. See, before, I just told myself that they were lucky, that the stars just aligned for them. And I really had no chance of even creating, as Steve Jobs famously said, my own dent in the universe. I always had a huge passion for cars, and I wasn't doing anything about it. Day by day, week by week, I just went to bed thinking, what if? And then shrugged it off. But in that moment, when you're on your bed, your pillow wet with tears of regret, with a bit of embarrassment, I made a decision. That decision was to create something that is based on my passion for cars, as well as my desire to ensure that nobody goes through what I've been through. Here's where I stand. We only have one life. Behind the Wheel seeks to unite those who want to live a life of purpose, passion, meaning and service through our common and shared love for cars that push the boundaries of speed, luxury and performance. Through this podcast, you will hear from people who work and or own with some of the most phenomenal cars on the face of this earth to hear from them how they got to where they are and share in our joint fascination for cars that push the boundaries of what is possible. Saj, thank you so much for joining the podcast today. It is such a pleasure to speak to you and, as always, to speak to guys who and girls who love cars as much as I do. And um, 
are perhaps doing you know some 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 different things with their life i guess compared to the usual norm um and i'm so so excited to have you saj first and foremost welcome yeah man it's good to be here it's good to be invited um you know um, since zainab approached me um you know, I, I, I've, like I told you, I wanted to, I wanted to do like a similar, similar sort of concept on my YouTube channel, um, and then when you approached me, I thought you, to do it on a podcast would be quite interesting. Definitely, definitely. No, it's uh, it's it's so good to have you, man. Tell us a little bit about you and uh, what you're about, man. Right. So I'm, I run a car dealership, um, used car dealership in Leicester, um, which I've been doing for about three over three three four years um, okay. and recently i've also started uh, doing youtube uh, youtube car reviews um called highgate motors so if you search up highgate motors uh, it's the one with the blue logo then how long have you been been uh, doing that for that i've been doing for not for long actually um, it's been about six months or so um, okay so still okay. trying to grow that channel um, but it's just working on it when, whenever I have some time. Sure, sure. Tell us a little bit about you in terms of. Um, I mean, it's it's fair to say that uh, you know those those who know me and those who know what I'm about, I'm very much about trying to encourage people to do what they love, do what they've got an interest in, over doing the thing that is perhaps seen as the safe thing to do or you know, what our normal kind of society tells us to do in terms of the more traditional stuff. And I think there's there's nothing wrong with that. But I think what I want to try and do is inject our sort of way of thinking towards, you know, what do we, what do we really enjoy doing? What do we have an interest in? What actually makes us happy? And I think it's, it's fair to say that you are perhaps, you know, um, uh, not in the in the in the norm, if you like, of doing the usual kind of, you know, medicine or law or whatever it is that we consider as the safe thing to do. Tell us a little bit about, you know, um, where you grew up and your kind of experiences to date, if you like. Well, yeah, um, what I would always say is if, if you want to do something that's not normal, don't be afraid to do it. Um, for example, not going to uni or something like that. If you don't want to go to uni, then, you know, do whatever you want to pursue like myself, I have been to uni, you know, I've, I've studied up to, uh, up to master's level, but I don't really use, I don't really use the degree or anything that I've studied, but, but, um, I still done it as a backup. Um, but I would always say, you know, not to listen to society. If you want to, if you want to do something that's not normal or do something slightly different, you should go for it. You know, you don't always necessarily have to have a degree. If, you know, there's other ways. There's apprenticeship. There's working your way up. So you should just do what you want to do and not be pressured, pressured by society. I think it's it's so true. I think I think as you as you grow up, you know, you you sort of you sort of it, there's such a big risk. Um, and I, I think I think it comes from just. I mean, I was talking to a guy last week about you know, um, how, how our parents, they love us, they care about us, they want, they want the best thing for us. But I think there's an element of them wanting safety for us and they want us to be safe. They want us to, you know, feel like we're not going to have the same struggles as them. And I suppose, um, and, and 
I suppose that can go one of two ways. It can it can work out quite well, and for those who end up, you know, doing what they love doing, and albeit it be a traditional subject area, I think that's that's absolutely commendable. But I think I think I think there's a there's a lot of people who feel a bit lost, perhaps, or are doing a degree, doing a course that they just feel a little bit um, unhappy with in some cases. What would be your your advice to people like that? Like you said, it can go one of two ways. It can work well or it can, you know, have like a mental... If it's not going to plan, it can have like a mental health effect on the person. Um, so what I would say to parents is, you know, guide guide your kids, but don't pressure them. Don't force them. You know, explain yeah. to them that this is an option. This might work well, but if, if it doesn't, then there's always this way as well. So whichever way works best for you. I think a lot of parents, what they do is this is the only way to do it. Um, if you don't do this, yeah, you're not, you know, you've not made it or anything like that. There, there should, so there cool. should always, you know, there should always be options. Um, like I said, yeah, guidance, um, but then a backup plan as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, let's talk cars, man. I think, I think, you know, we both obviously love cars. Um, tell us a little bit about your uh, your your car journey. Um, it's, you know, it's something that I planned from since when I was in school and a lot of people don't know that. Um, they think it just, you know, I just randomly started it one day and went with the flow, but it's something I started, you know, I planned for this since I was in school. Um, so it's been, it's been a long time and I've always had that mindset that, you know, I've, I've never been pressured by school, um. Or even by going to uni, I did go to uni, but I've never been pressured or anything like that. Um, I just went with the flow, and I've done it more as a backup. Um, but the car thing, I've, I've you know, I've, I started planning for that since secondary school. Wow. And what what was it that kind of spurred that interest? Was it just was it watching videos? Was it what was there like an initial kind of spark point? I thought you know. I always wanted to be self-employed, so I thought, how can I put my interests into my work as well? How can I combine the both? And I always liked cars as kids. You know, I've got like thousands of pictures with toy cars and things like that. So I thought this is one way I can combine my interests and turn it into, you know, my job as well. So that's that's how it all started. What's your um? What's your earliest car memory? Uh, it's a little Tykes toy car. You know the one with one door. Uh, they read in the yeah, yeah, yeah. I think every kid had that. That that's you know that's that's my first car memory. Um, yeah, but I had you know tons of toy cars. I had a whole a whole collection of them. Um, I don't know where they are right now. I think you know <laughs> I still own them somewhere. Um, <laughs> I never got rid of them, but um, that's 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 where it all started. Really, it, it it sounds very different to me. I mean, and and my experiences because you know, for those who know me, um, I always had a big interest in cars, but I I suppressed it for a very long time, yeah. and I suppressed it because I was I felt embarrassed, I felt ashamed, I felt like you know people you know, people might judge me and. You know, um, whereas I guess in your case, you've always had an interest in it and you always kind of planned to make a life out of that interest, right? That's right, yeah. You know, um, that's I always had that plan in place. Um, 
some people don't want you to go ahead with your plans, this, that. Some people laugh at your plans, but they they, they don't know what you know, basically. So it's just one of them. How do you... Yeah. How do you, I mean, you know, from a, from, from your perspective, how did you manage to get past that kind of judgment that, you know, you know, people, people looking at you, in some cases, it's friends, in some cases, it's those almost closest to you who will kind of, you know, somewhat be negative or kind of encourage you to not do what you've got in mind. How do you get past all that, all that noise? You know, the one thing the one thing I would say is self-belief. If you have self-belief in your plans and yourself, whatever anyone else says, you know, I, I just ignore it because I know I know better than them. That's my mindset and that's how I've always uh, I've always been. Uh, sometimes I like to purposefully be underestimated by people. Yeah. yeah. That takes pressure off me and when the results come in, it's, you know, it's, you don't have that pressure, but when you say you're going to do something in advance, you're putting that pressure on yourself. Um, but mm-hmm. the main thing is self-belief and you've got to carry on believing in yourself and believing that and not be, you know, put off by anyone else. It's so true. I mean, I think, I mean, I've, I've also found that, you know, it's um, in, in, in many cases, that projection of negativity is also coming from someone's own insecurities, their own problems, their own fears in life. And it's often those people who are going through that stuff mm. that they then project that onto you and try to put you down. Um, I'm not sure if you've kind of experienced that as well. You know, there's, there's two ways that you can you can use negativity one is to bring yourself down the other one is to fuel fuel your motivation and it has to be the yeah. second one like you know for example when i got my first car it was a peugeot peugeot 206 um yeah. it didn't even have electric windows at the front and i pulled over at the traffic light once this is something i remember you know i remember for a long time i pulled over at the traffic light once and somebody's speaking to me and I had to roll the window down manually. Uh, and yeah, somebody, in the, yeah. somebody in the next car was laughing at that. And since then, I told myself, I'm going to use that as motivation. And, you know, it worked. It worked. Um, somebody else might might have just put themselves down and, you know, locked themselves away and, you know, took it, took, used it negatively. But um, you just got to... Use it as motivation. You know what? It's it's so true, and I think I think um, I mean I, I think those who are able to visualize that horrible moment and actually use it as a almost a chip on your shoulder, yeah. and use it as the thing that gets you up every single morning and forces you to work hard and do the hours that you do, and you know, despite the ridicule, despite the the negativity. I think everyone needs that kind of spark. And, and, and for me, I'm not sure if you went through this, but for me, it was, I had to go into a really, really dark place. I had to go into a place where I just felt so, so awful to then spring back up again. Um, was that, was that the same case for you? Yeah, it was. Um, I've, you know, I've, 
there's been times where I've worked seven days a week uh, in jobs, uh, and there's been times where I've lost my job uh, and you know completely felt away from the world. I've you know there was a time where I where I left college and I had no hope, like I had nothing, uh, no job, no I wasn't even at college at the time, um, and I took like a gap year and you know just reflected on myself and at the time I was I felt felt lonely um if you, if you want to put it that way um and that it's not just once it's happened two three four times life will bring you down but you just have to keep working keep working and keep planning and not you know not give up not think that this is this is where you're going to be forever because that's never the case how do you um I think I think it's fair to say that anyone starting up a business or or, or are trying to do new things or are not perhaps doing the most safest of things, um, you know, failure is is almost a, a regular occurrence. Um, how do you how do you view failure? How do you bounce back from it? What sort of practical things do you do um, to kind of deal with those difficult moments? You know, you know what I say: failure is a less. It's not. It's not a failure as of such. If you're failing at something, you're only teaching yourself a lesson, um, and yeah. you're becoming more yeah. experienced. Uh, in future, you'll know not to do that certain thing or not to do that certain thing. So, a fa- failure is a platform. It's not the end of the world. That's really interesting. I mean, I think it's it's um, you know at a time you know you, you mentioned before that you know you've 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 lost your job a few times or or or, or just once or whatever and. You know, there's a there's a lot of people who have lost their jobs during this pandemic and are perhaps really really in a in a in a in a dark place. Um, how did you how did you sort of leap back from that? And um, what what advice would you give someone who's perhaps just lost their job or you know who are really unsure about their financial um, situation going forward? Uh, what are, yeah, this is a good question because you know people close to me right now um, are out of jobs and. I'm trying to do what I can to, you know, guide them or help them. Um, but what I would say is use that time to either, even if it's just relaxing your mind or doing some exercise or something, use that time to self-reflect and think of things and don't pressure yourself. Um, I think pressuring yourself, you're going to add stress and ruin your health and this and that. So I would say just take it easy um, and just keep trying. Um, it's never, you know, we're, we're in a country that we're never going to be on the roads. Um, mm, so mm. you shouldn't stress yourself to that level because it's, there's a 0.001% chance that you'll end up on the roads. That, that's, you, sh- you know, people stress themselves out to that level where they think they won't even have a roof over their heads. So I would say, you know, take it easy, relax in that time, do other things as well, like do exercise, you know, spend time doing what you wouldn't normally do and utilize that time. Even if it's, even you know, if it's, it's chilling it's, or, you know, going out somewhere, do that as well as um, keeping up with your job applications and trying and looking out for opportunities. It, it's so true. I think, I think um, I, and I don't, I don't think that we as a, as a society do enough self-reflection and, and actually really think about, you know, what, what do we want to achieve in life? What are, what do we enjoy doing? What makes us excited? What, 
because I think I think it's just so important. I just I just I mean I remember I did this a few months ago where I just sat down and I just I mean I was in a dark place, you know, like some people out there. And I'm, I'm not sure if you've been through this, but you go through a point in your life where you you are doing well financially. You've got everything you possibly could want. You're you know you're doing a lot better than most people in this world, let alone this country. And but you still feel like there's something missing, right? And you're you're sitting there in your office or in your room and you're just wondering, you know, when I get to 70 or 80, what am I going to be actually proud of? Right. What am I, what's, what's my legacy going to be? And I think, I think that dark place will force me to sit down and really think about what I love doing, what I enjoy doing and how can I make that a reality? But I think often we get so sucked into the, into the, the vacuum of, of life that we just become sort of autopilots, I guess. Well, what I would say is, you know, if, if, if we didn't have bad times, then we wouldn't appreciate the good times. Um, so that true. Is, true. it's important to have bad times. I think it, it is really important to have bad times because in the long run, you, you're most likely going to have good times and you're going to appreciate the good times more because you'll reflect back at where you used to be and how you used to feel before and how you feel now. So you should appreciate the bad times as well. If you're going through bad times, just appreciate that. So true. I think, I think, and I think context is so important as well. I think, you know, you, you mentioned earlier that, you know, you know, in, in, in the worst case scenario, you know, um, you know, realistically, the fact that we've all got a roof over our head is, is fantastic. Um, but, you know, and I, I'm not sure if you've been through this, but in that, in that moment of difficulty, you think that it's the it's the end of the world. You think that the that, that the world around you is collapsing. Um, but context is just so so important because in the whole grand scheme of things, actually, you've probably still got health, you've still got roof over your head, you've still got family around you, which is probably you know which which, which makes you a lot more um, a lot more um, better off than than yeah, than, than many world, others. Most of the world. Yeah, that's, yeah that's, that's, exactly. That's exactly. I was reading some stats that, you know, I think, I don't know the exact stats, but a third of the world doesn't even have access to internet or like clean water or something like that. Um, and, yeah. You know, that, yeah. that being, us being in this position without, you know, in, in a dark position in the UK here, that is, that is luxury to most of the world. It's so true. It's so true. Tell us a little bit about um, the company you you started up, um, which you're obviously working with right now. It's your, I, I presume it's your, it's your little baby. Tell us a little bit about the the early, the early steps, the early journey. Um, you know, I, I, t- I took small steps, one step at a time, um, and I didn't just jump jump into the deep end. You know, I was I was doing it alongside um, alongside jobs, um, and I took it step step by step, just learning. As I go, I've learned everything myself. Nobody's helped me, you know. Nobody has taught me anything. I've learned everything myself uh, from scratch. So it's step by step, and you know, it's, it's, it's took me it's took me what three, four years, uh, and now I've turned over around a million pounds in, in car sales. Wow, that is phenomenal. That is absolutely amazing. Wow, and. Um... Those, those those first few steps, I mean, um, I think often people get paralyzed um, by the fear 
of taking the first step. Yeah. Um, and it, it almost feels like it's like when I speak to people and I tell them, do what you, you know, do, do what you have an interest in, do it, do, do what you've got a passion for. And they say, so what, I've got to, I've got to leave my job now. And I'm like, no, you haven't got to, like, no one is saying to leave your job, keep your job, but you can always do something on the side as a bit of a side passion, as a bit of a side hustle, you know? Um, and I suppose from, from your experience, um, was it the case where you took many little steps every single day or was it sort of large, big ones at the beginning? It, it was a bit of both. I took, you know, some risky steps as well. But, you know, you know how you were saying do what you love. I think that puts a lot of pressure on people because a lot of yeah. people can't yeah. do what they love. So yeah. in order to do what you love in the future, you have to do what you don't love right now. So even if that means, you know, mm-hmm. whatever, whatever it might be, um, whatever job it might be, you have to, you have to do what you don't like in order to work towards the future to do what you want to do. So, you know, when people tell you do what you like, that sort of, it sort of puts a negative. Absolutely. 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 I think, I think often, you know, it's like, you know, I would, I would never tell anyone to like drop your job tomorrow. Like, you know, it's, it's just, you know, you, you've got to pay bills. You've got to, you've got to look after yourself. You've got to look after your family, you know, and I think, I think no one would ever advocate that unless you've got, you know, five, six, seven years worth of savings and you can afford it. But in most cases, people, you know, people don't. Um, what, what would you say you, you, you learned about yourself, um, as a result of those early, those early stages of launching a business? What I learned about myself is I, I thought I was a bit different to most people. Um, I had that self-belief. You know, I always thought I was smarter. I always thought I was smarter than most people. And you've got to have that self-belief sometimes. Um, you know, like, for example, I look at, you know, for example, if, you, if you're into football at all, I'm not sure. Um but I like certain certain players' mentalities, um, and mm-hmm. I, I look at their mentalities, mm-hmm. and I think you know that's the mentality to have. Like Cristiano Ronaldo, when he first came to you know Man United, he kept trying and trying to score uh, score goals all the time. It just wouldn't happen. Um, but he kept. He was the one player that kept working hard, and it, what other players said about him in training as well. He was the first one there and the last one out. And that's the mentality. Mm-hmm. And yeah. even his, his belief, um, his belief, he wants to be the best player in the world. Uh, that's the mentality to have. Uh, you know, even, I don't know if you, I don't know if you follow football, but even Jose Mourinho, uh, I like him as a manager. Yeah. I like his yeah. mentality and his way of thinking. And he's not afraid to be different. In 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 terms of for you and your your mindset, do you, do you think do you think that for you that that desire to want to keep going, keep trying, keep keep failing in some cases, and just just keep learning from 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 that? Do you think do you think that's come natural for you, or is that something that you've had to kind of develop over the course of time? I think it's a bit of both. Um, I never planned to fail, but if failure comes, then I'll take that. I'll, I'll learn from it. You know, it's it's like a lesson. For example, you know, if you spend, people spend nine grand uh, on a university degree. If you're spending, you know, two grand and you make a two grand loss, count that as a two grand lesson. You know, peep. Mm-hmm. say if you, you know, say if you lose five grand in a year, for example, it's um, 
it's more of a it's, it's a loss, but it's a lesson as well, and it teaches you and makes you more wiser. One of the things that I get asked a lot, and it's something that I often ask myself, you know, and and um, and I haven't I haven't come up with an answer, um, but I think I have. I'm not sure. Is at what point do you give up? Do you do you ever give up? Do you just keep going? And and how do you how do you know if you're at a time where you know it's 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 worth packing it all in? It, it depends on what you're doing. You know, I'm, I'm talking as a, for general society. Sometimes you have to stop what you're doing, have a change. If it's for health reasons, or if it's for you know, if you just prefer a different challenge. So. I wouldn't call it giving up. I would say trying a different challenge. It's, it's, oh, it's so true. It's, so it's true. One of those yeah. Ones, yeah you know, get, sometimes, sometimes you don't give up. But sometimes it's not called giving up. It's trying a different challenge. So it's yeah. It's so true. I think yeah. I I think I think that we we have a problem in our society. And I'm not I'm not sure if you think this as well, but. For some reason, we tend to look down on people who are trying different things and are running in in a million different directions and are just really, really juggling, you know, quite quite a few quite a few different balls. Um, and I think I think that's often not conducive or not constructive. I think that um, in the process of trying to of of, of trying to 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 achieve success you have to to a certain degree be trying many many different things yeah. you know people people nowadays sometimes naturally you know it's a natural thing people do job shaming sometimes and that's something nobody should ever do uh, you know what whatever somebody's doing if they're a cleaner you know that's that at least they are trying they they're working towards something so whatever Whatever you are doing, you should you know you should carry on doing. Um, it's one of those things. So true, so true. So um, tell us a little bit about. Um, I mean, obviously you've you, you've kind of reflected on the on the early experiences. Um, what would you say? I mean, it's it's obviously a very kind of competitive industry that you're in. Is that is that is that fair to um, say? It is. Yes, you know you, you compete with main dealers and. There's, there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, competition around the country, um, but you just have to keep trying different methods. Uh, if one method doesn't work, you have to try a different method, whether that's pricing or marketing. Um, you know, you have to. It's, it's learning on on the on the go, really. Um, but it, it is difficult. You know, I spend I spend on advertising alone. I spend about twenty five thousand a year on advertising. So wow. Wow. I have to spend that much in order to bring people in. You know, it's it's not easy. It's a lot of money. That you know, that twenty five thousand is what I, I didn't even earn that much um, at one point, and now I'm spending that alone on just advertising. One of the things that I always wonder is how do you decide, right? And and I'm sure that other people would love to know is how do you decide. As someone who who owns a dealership, how do you decide? You know what? Um, I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna buy this car versus that car. I mean, obviously, there's the there's the kind of the technical specs or whatever else. But I, and I guess some of it is 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 experience. But is that is that often a hard 
decision to make in terms of where to invest the money with regards to inventory? Uh, in terms of what car to get? Um, yeah, yeah. Yes and no. Um, you know, what well, I, I like trying all sorts of cars. I've had all sorts of cars, you know, from Italian cars to Nist Japanese cars, uh, 500 pound cars to, you know, 25 grand cars, whatever, whatever that is. Um, I, I like to try as much as I can um, and try out different cars, especially not, not so much for my business. I get in different cars, you know, I try to get in different cars for my YouTube channel so I can, you know, try those cars out, learn about them and familiarize myself with them. What, um, what, what drove your desire to want to create the, uh, to kind of create a social media presence? Um, you know, I never, I never thought about YouTube. Uh, it was more like a last minute thing. Um, you know how I said I always mm. thought about my business from day one. YouTube is never, never yeah. something I thought I'd see myself doing, but I just thought about it out of nowhere um, one day, and then I thought, you know, I'm just going to give it a try. Um, and I just went from there, really. It's, um, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, putting yourself out there, it can be such a, a nerve wracking thing. I mean, I, I used to struggle with the idea of shoving a camera in my face and talking or, you know, um, taking a photo of myself or taking a photo of something and putting it out there for people to see. Um, was that a fear that you uh, had as well? A little bit. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a bit difficult, you know, recording recording uh, a YouTube video and where, where you've created the whole content from scratch. It's a bit difficult. And for, a, for, for example, like for an eight-minute video, it takes about 10 hours to make the video and people don't realize that. Yeah. Um, yeah. The whole filming process, yeah. you know, it's not just myself. It's not just myself Editing. filming it. I get, I get people to, you know, film this, that. So it's, it's a difficult process. Um, that's why, it, 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 because it takes a lot of time, that's why I haven't got so much videos at the moment. Um, but it's something I'm working on increasing in the, in the coming months. It's, I mean, it's such a, you've, you've got to kind of, I, I think there's an element of, of, of kind of getting past this fear of judgment and getting past the fear of people being free to see what you've got out there and then judging it. And I think, I think um, one of the, the, the piece of advice I give to people is, you know, you, you've got to stop caring about what other people think of you and actually just have the right intention. And then the intention is obviously just to give as much value as possible. But I think often people find that quite hard to, Get that, that's one way of doing it. The other way of doing it is just to keep it quiet. You know, I've not advertised my YouTube channel on any of my personal social media. So most people that I know don't mm -hmm. even know. They don't have a clue that I have a YouTube channel. And the reason for that is, mm -hmm. you know, they're going to put pressure on you. Um, they're going to put pressure on you. So if you're starting off, I've, I've kept it quiet, you know. Sometimes the people that you know personally, they don't want you. They don't want you to do well. They don't want you to do well. Whereas you know mm -hmm. somebody watching from a different city, a completely random on YouTube, they won't care. They will support you. But people close to you, they won't want you to do well. 
it's it's true. It's really true. I think I think as we were saying earlier, I think sometimes it comes out of a place of jealousy in some cases, and that's that's not that's not saying it in a way to kind of be negative. It's just the reality is that some people out there project their own insecurities, their own problems, their own fears in life to try and bring others reflect, down, which is they will reflect sad. their negativity onto you. Um but random people yeah. won't do that. Yeah. I mean, you might get a few random comments from random people, but that's that's the minority. You know, um, random people always support you more than people you know in your in your in your community. It's it's so true, man. Where do you um where do you see the business going forward? Um, I'm just trying to you know just just go with the flow and grow it as and where I can. Um, then take it with the flow. I've not really set out plans to, you know, I've, I've not really set out plans that far ahead to be expanding in different cities or anything like that. But um, I'm just literally just going with the flow. And, you know, the other thing I was I was saying about job shaming and things like that, you know, I thought about it the other day as well, um, saying if I want to increase my stock, I need extra cash. And I wouldn't even mind doing, you know, any any job on the side in the on the evenings to if I want to increase the business and increase the cash, you know I, I'd even do delivery you know in the evenings after 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 I've after I've spent yeah. a whole day selling yeah. cars, I'd even do delivery and save the extra cash so I can increase my stock. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's something if you if yeah. you want to do it, you have to do it. It's so true. It's so true. I think I think people are. You know, I, I remember re- um, reading the, um, the the Gymshark story, and um, I can't remember his name now, but this was a guy who was in the daytime, you know, de- delivering pizzas, and then in the evening he was working on the business. And it's just, you will possibly can yeah. to make this business work. And I think people don't always appreciate that. But I think that comes out of, it, it, it comes out of, when you've got a real passion for something and a real interest in something, yeah. that's what keeps you going. Um, you know, it's it's so much harder in that moment of toughness to see it through if you haven't really got a, a real I interest think in it. What society does is they put pressure on you. Say if somebody's working in Domino's, for example, people are ashamed to do that. You know, myself included, I've been I've been ashamed to do that when I was uh, a few years ago. You know, um, I, that's why I never you know applied for anything like that. But um, Coming to think of it, you have to you have to do things you don't like. At some point, you have to do it. You got it every single day. It's like I I I I hate hate training. I hate. I mean, so I mean, the the the, the reality for me was I realized a long time ago. Well, actually, I realized yeah a long time ago. I hated working out. I hated training, and I still do. Like I don't I don't I don't enjoy going to the gym I, I, I just don't and, and, and I don't think I ever will but but when I train in the morning when I go for my run um I hate my run in the morning it's awful it's cold it's dark but to do that and to come out of it you feel like you feel like you've just pushed a mountain after you're done and I think I think the the you've got to you've got to do painful things to 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 to, to see That's the fruits right, of yeah, your labor, yeah. you know. That reminds me of that, you know, that Muhammad Ali quote. Uh, I'm not sure if you've if you've read it, where he goes, "I hated every minute of training, but I said, don't quit, n- don't quit now, 
soften out and live the rest of your life as a champion. And you know that 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 yeah. really yeah. that really makes sense. It's it's so true. I think um, I think pain is 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 probably it's seen as such a negative thing, but I think quite frankly, you know, it, it comes down to a choice, and the choice is: am I going to use it as a as a learning experience to 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 push me further, or am I going to use it as a as a reason yeah. to just to just give up and just 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 not move forward, you know? And it's just it's just a choice, and 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 that that's not to oversimplify it, but I think that more often than not, you've got to make a decision, and that decision is completely mm. yours to take. You know, a lot, a lot of you know um, what I found is speaking to people, a lot of people. Um, when they're in that situation, stressed and, you know, hopeless, a lot of people, what they do is start smoking, drinking and, you know, getting high and this and that. That's one thing you shouldn't do just to relieve short-term stress because in the long term, it's going to, you know, myself, I've never smoked. I've never touched a cigarette. I've never, you know, had alcohol. You know, I don't touch weed, anything like that. You know, not only is it, it's, it's a bad habit, it saves me a lot of money as well. And I worked it out how much I was speaking to a friend who actually does. You know, I worked out how much they would have saved in 10 years um, if they never touched any of that. Um, so, you know, it's, it's not only is it mentally affecting you in the long run, it, it financially affects you as well. So that's one thing, you know, people should try and not go down that way to de-stress um, and, you know, try and de-stress in a different way, like going for a run or going for a drive or something. That, that's always a better option. Absolutely, man. It's, it's so true. What, um, on, a, on, a, on a different note slightly, um, what, what advice would you have um, for someone who perhaps doesn't know a lot about cars? Because I've got, I've got friends, I've got people, um, I've got, you know... Um, you know, people often ask me about cars because I supposedly know a fair bit. Don't know how true that is, but you know, um, what what advice would you have for someone who doesn't know a lot about cars um, but wants to buy a new car because their car's broken or whatever? Um, what sort of top three or top five things would you recommend to someone who's on the market for a new car but has no idea what to what to think about or My how to go forward? Recommendation would be check out Highgate Motors YouTube channel. Nah, I'm, 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 I'm just jokes aside. Yeah. Um, you know, um, um, <laughs> it, it depends. You know, when you're looking for a, looking for a car, um, it depends on personal preference. How much you drive, whether you drive city only, you know, whether you go on the motorway, family, this that. I think it's all tailored to tailored to individuals. Uh, if you if you're not doing a lot of motorway miles, and probably go with like a petrol car, for example. Um, you just have to think about and analyze what your requirements are and there's no general advice for anyone it's all it's all tailored advice yeah yeah and what about things like you know um like how do you um from a from a financial perspective you know you get you get different ways of funding a vehicle you've got leasing you've got car you've got higher purchase you've got all sorts of different ways of financing a car. Um, what would your advice be to someone who's just not sure about how to go about actually buying um, the car? My advice would be never to buy a used car or never to lease, unless you've got a business and you know it's 
it's different when you're leasing for a business, um, but people fall into the trap that, oh, leasing is only, what, only £300 a month uh, and getting a brand new car. But really, if you work it out in the long term, you're basically hiring a car for, say, three years and you're paying fifteen grand. Uh, whereas if you buy a used car for, say, ten grand or fifteen, whatever you can afford, and if you sell it three years later, you're only going to lose a fraction of that. Um, you know, yes, fair enough, you get like free servicing and this and that, and they try sell it to you uh, with the lease deals and all of that. But servicing is not that much. And if you actually do your maths um, in the space of three years, you'll be better off financially buying a used car because the moment you drive, you know, for example, say if you drive a brand new car and pay it in cash, the moment you drive it off, you've lost uh, what, 10, 20%, whatever it is straight away. Um, so yeah. yeah. I've, I've, you know, I've never brought a brand new car myself. Uh, neither have I ever leased or financed a car. Um, but it's, it's all, if you've got a business, it might make sense. But personally, it's, it's financially, you're always better off saving up and buying a car. And then you can sell it anytime you want. You don't have to give it back. You know, you own the car. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which, which is, I think is a great point to, to my next question is, um, in, in terms of people who are shopping for a car right now, um, what are the common kind of mistakes that, that people make when they're about to buy a car? Like what things should they, should they look out for, you know, when they're, when they're approaching dealerships or when they're approaching places where they can buy a car, what sort of top things would you advise them to sort of look out for when they're, when they're um, shopping? It's, it's, it's a very broad question. Um, but I would say the main things is, you know, one mistake that I've learned is make, if you're buying from a private seller or wherever, um, a dealer as well, the most important thing is to HPI check it. I know it's simple and sometimes forget. And I've done so many cars on one of them I forgot and it didn't turn out to be good. Um, you know, I lost, I lost money on mm. that. Um, so that's the most important thing. Forget the mechanical side. You know, that can be repaired uh, as long as, you know, the engine's not falling this apart. It's the, the most simple thing is to check that it's, you know, not on finance. Somebody doesn't own the car. The bank doesn't own the car, for example. That's the most important thing. And the second mm. thing is make sure mm. if you're buying, buying from a private seller is risky. Um, you know, I don't know if you've heard about cloned cars um, no, so no. What happened with my dad once is he bought a van uh, from a private seller. That van turned out to be yeah. cloned. So it was a stolen van. He didn't know. Um, so whoever right. was selling it put a number plate on it to match another van somewhere else in the country. Um, no way. And the way he done it, it was he was a professional um professional scammer you could tell um so that is sometimes it's risky when you're buying from a, a completely random person um on the on the street do you know what i mean um so what happened with that is we my dad paid cash for it um for the van uh, a few months later police came knocking on the door asking to see the van uh, and they took the van away oh, we lost the van and wow. the money so that was eight, no. eight grand. Uh, oh my god! 
And there's and and, no, no, and there's no, nothing he could no, do. Um, there was nothing he could do. That's why you know buying from a reputable person, like for example, I I know how to do my checks now. Um, you know, I, I can still make mistakes. I'm not saying I'm perfect, but um, you know, I've I've learned what things to check for. Uh, I've learned the hard way as well. Um, when I buy cars in, I make sure everything that from my experience. I know what to check. That is, I mean, I, I, I'd never come across this, this, yeah. this, this cloning kind of behavior. I mean, is it, is it, is it, does it happen uh, a lot to it's people? It's rare, it's rare, but, you know, it's, it's happened to, uh, it's happened to a good few people, but it, it is rare. Um, you know, it's very rare. In fact, you know, less than 1% of anything um, that will occur like that. But, um, yeah, this was this was like 10, 15 years ago this happened. Um, and the use of internet and yeah, everything was yeah. limited uh, around then. So it was an easy mistake to make. So it might not be so common nowadays, but it's still something to be wary of because that's more important than any mechanical repairs or any, any sort of things that can be repaired on the car. Yeah, so... Um, HBI check, um, obviously go to a reputable dealer, um, obviously be aware of any kind of financial um, commitments that the previous owner might not be abiding by, whatever it is, um, and obviously be aware of cloning. Um, just, just, just going on to HPI, for those who, who don't know HPI, what HPI is, what is HPI and how, and how, how easy is it yeah, to, so to get done? It's quite simple. It costs about eight, eight, between 8 to £20, pounds, uh, even going up to thirty pounds, it gives you. It tells you whether the car's ever had an accident, or whether it's on finance, or you know, uh, mileage discrepancy, something like that. And always check the VIN number matches the window of the car on the logbook as well. Um, things like that. Okay. Sorry, just sorry, just just that point again. Sorry, the the number on, so the, on the on the where the, sorry the VIN number. Make sure it matches the VIN number on the actual car. Yeah. Um, that way you... Okay. And where can they you find that number on the, number window, on the car? Um, on the windscreen, just below the wiper okay. somewhere, um, okay. hidden around that area. Um, that's you know that's just one of the things. Um, and it should match the number on the logbook. Um, mm-hmm. And always, always make sure that the logbook is present. You know, you can still buy cars without a logbook because a lot of the time people lose them. Um, but the van we bought didn't have a logbook, um, the cloned one. Um, so it's one of them. You can you can still buy a car without a logbook, um, the V5 document. Um, but there is that slight risk if it's yeah. not there. Okay. And... Um- Two more questions, um, if you don't mind. Um, let's uh, on on cat C, cat D. You get you get these these categories of cars that you come across. Um, and I mean, I don't know about about you, but I I personally, I I'm not sure whether I need to be educated. Maybe I do, and I'll I'll be I'll be to your mercy on this one. But often I 
I stay very clear of those kind of cars. Is that something you would advise other people to do, or what's uh, your what's your some, take on that? Some uh, in a Cat C, for example, that's had more damage than Cat D. But now they're known as Cat N and whatnot. Um, and there's there's also other categories as well, like fire damage and things like that. So just it's just worth doing a little bit of research on that. Some of them. Um, so, for example, CAT N and CAT S. Uh, N is like non-structural damage, uh, and S is like more severe damage, like structural damage. Um, mm-hmm. Personally, most of my, you know, ninety-nine percent of my cars are not uh, accident damaged. On the odd occasion, I might get one in in parts exchange that's had an accident or something. Uh, but generally, I, I, I don't really do them kind of cars. Um, but if you are, if you do buy one of them, they do save you some some money. Uh, they are slightly cheaper than the uh, you know the, the clear ones. Um, it's just personal preference. Do you want to yeah. save a little bit of money and have something that's been hit? Um, it's, it's a personal preference thing, I think. Yeah, that's really useful. Um, and I guess finally, Saj, um, where um, can people find you? Page, uh, Highgate underscore motor sales. Uh, my YouTube channel is called Highgate Motors. It's the one with the blue logo. Um, and my website, highgatemotorsales.co.uk. So, you know, if, if anyone's after a car or anything, um, I can source in pretty much, pretty much any car. So if you just tell... Uh, if you just tell me well, this is the spec I'm after, this is the price, mileage, this, that, I'll keep an eye out and it'll take me a few few weeks to find the perfect one. Um, but I can, you know, I can source in any car, any car they want. Saj, thank you no so much for joining us this morning. Um, I really do appreciate your time. It's been such a, you know, it's been so, so nice speaking to you and, um, yeah, hopefully yeah, we'll yeah, we'll we'll, yeah, we'll let's stay in touch. Um, but yeah, keep me updated about it. Um, I'll speak to you soon. All right, man. Thank you. Thank you, man. Take care, bro.